On this version of our podcast, we're going to look uh, again into uh, alternative versions of therapy for substance abuse and uh, other issues. Uh, today, we're going to turn our attention to art therapy. Uh, this is uh, something that's been of interest to me, and um, I'm happy to, uh, to take a deeper look into this particular form of therapy. Um, those of you that have listened to these podcasts know that uh, in a previous uh, uh, career incarnation, I worked in inpatient substance abuse programs. Uh, both of the inpatient programs that I uh, had the privilege of working in had uh, art therapists and I uh, was able to see uh, what it is that they do and, and uh, how it is that they go about accomplishing their goals. Uh, today, we're going to be joined by a friend of mine, uh, Natalie Polakowski, who is an art therapist. We're going to ask her a little bit about what she does and how she does what she does and what kind of success that she sees. But let's first start with a definition. A definition, this comes from the American Art Therapy Association. They were uh, founded in 1969, and they're one of the world's leading art therapy membership organizations. Uh, and so they define art therapy uh, as this. Art therapy is an integrative mental health and human services profession that enriches the lives of individuals, families, and communities through active art-making, creative process, applied psychological theory, and human experience within a psychotherapeutic relationship. Pretty concise, pretty to the point. Uh, they go on to say, art therapy facilitated by a professional art therapist effectively supports personal and relational treatment goals as well as community concerns. Those are the things that we'll talk about when uh, Natalie joins us. You know, we, we did a previous podcast on uh, natural medicine, uh, including acupuncture. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to the, the conversation we had with Jamie Sabala. Uh, that was really interesting as well. We've talked uh, in recent podcasts about opioids and marijuana and pain management and, and marijuana as possibly an alternative to opioids, all that sort of thing. Today, we're going to talk about um, a different type of approach altogether with the, with the art therapy. And, and I'm interested in how that might apply not only to uh, uh, substance use issues, but also, also things like uh, dementia, uh, possibly uh, autism, other mental health disorders, trauma, that sort of thing. So I uh, hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, and uh, as always, uh, we'll invite you to give some feedback uh, once you uh, listen to the podcast. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Natalie Polakowski. Well, we'll let her tell us a little bit about herself and then we'll uh, talk about our therapy. Well, hi, Natalie. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hello there. Absolutely happy to be here. Uh, tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you uh, came to be in the field of art therapy. Absolutely. So my, art, my initial interest in art started when I was very much a small child, and I would sit in front of the TV and watch movies with my grandpa and, and make art and... You know, that was kind of like my, my go-to outlet, something that I could do in times of stress or at times that I needed just to kind of release energy, whether that be, you know, good or negative energy. Um, and it's something that I kind of did 
in private. Um, I didn't really you know, take a lot of art classes in high school. Um, and finally, towards the end of high school, I was just like, you know, I, I should pursue this. This is what makes me happy. This is something I'm passionate about. Um, and so I decided to go to Central Michigan University and pursue fine arts. And so um, I kind of put everything on the line and was like, I'm going to go for it. And I pursued um, two-dimensional design, the concentration in printmaking. And the whole time I was you know, doing this program, you know, I was putting my whole heart and soul into the, the work I was making and um, just the process that's involved in printmaking, especially is very therapeutic. And so what I didn't realize, because I really didn't know what art therapy was during my undergraduate degree, was that I was doing, kind of engaging in self-art therapy or self-care, if you will. And so towards the end of my, of my program, my undergraduate program, I decided to do some more research because I knew that I wanted to extend and um, kind of continue on with my education. And I actually happened upon art therapy when I went to a printmaking conference in San Francisco, California. And I spoke to a few art therapists and I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> it's a combination of kind of psychology and, and art and just you know, helping people and just things that I love combined and, and meshing together. And so I did some research and I found that, you know, there was a program, the only program in Michigan it was through Wayne State University. And so I was like, you know what, throw caution to the wind, I'm just going to pursue this. You know, I did speak to a couple other professors that had known about it and um, were able to tell me a little bit more about what, what this was and what I would be doing and, and things like that. And so I applied for the program at Wayne State um, in 2014 when I, after I graduated from Central Michigan. Got accepted, I was ecstatic, and I just recently finished my master's program. So it's a master's of education with a concentration in art therapy. Um, and actually, Wayne State offers two different avenues. There's um, master of education with a concentration in art therapy, and then there's a master of counseling with um, art therapy concentration. And so there's kind of two different avenues. I stuck with um, the Master of Education Art Therapy Concentration, and that's more or less like working in schools and um, you know certainly private practices, but doing a, it's a lot of group art therapy, which I which I really like, and I kind of was engaged with all throughout my master's program. Um, so I, as I said, I graduated in May 2018, so just a couple months ago. And so now I um, I still work at my my full time job is. Um, and I'm an insurance, I work in insurance, so I'm a, a supervisor for a business casualty um, team there. And I'm kind of an art therapist by night, but I'm hoping to switch those gears, you know, in the near future. But really, I, I'm, I'm so ecstatic to be where I'm at right now. Um, so I, right now I'm a, an art therapist at the Samaritan Counseling Center in Farmington Hills. And so I run adult group art therapy. Um, in the evenings, and kind of where, how I got there is, is I guess, a journey in and of itself. Um, so if it's okay with you, I'll touch on that. Well, let, let's, um, um, let, let me come back to that for just a second. I want to follow up on, sure. on, on something you said, and then I'll let you continue. But okay. so you started um, with an eye toward a fine arts degree, and, yes. uh, and, then, and then found out about art therapy. How would you, just to the sort of the casual listener like me, how would you define the difference? What was the difference in the curriculum between a fine arts track and an art therapy track? Sure. So the fine arts kind of route was more like technique classes and 
um, art history classes and kind of mastering a concentration, you know, whether that be two-dimensional design or sculpture or graphic design. Whereas art therapy, you know, there is some studio art involved, like drawing, painting, sculpture, um, but it's more or less like the creative process and kind of psychological development, learning how to run groups, um, how to administer art therapy assessments, um, even just like extended research methods, and even a multicultural diversity piece, which I really enjoyed. Um, so it's a lot more honed in on art as therapy or using therapy or using art in therapy practices. This is a maybe a, a silly question, but you know you're you're obviously a, a talented artist, but how important is that skill? in art therapy relative to the other skills of empathy and compassion and, and all of that? You know, um, it's definitely helpful. I think that there was a lot of people within my cohort who had never had um, art experience, like actually them having drawing skills and things like that. But I find it helpful because, um, especially when I worked with children, um, being able to help them kind of draw something that they can't or kind of guide them in a certain way and, and certainly knowing the medium that you're working with, whether it be painting or, or play, um, it kind of gives me, I think, or anyone with art, artistic skills a leg up in the field because you're able to guide the clients along the way, like, you know, of their journey through art therapy. Do you have a, a medium that you specialize in? Um, my undergraduate was in printmaking, and so that's kind of like an archaic um, method of making multiples, if you will. So um, my specialty was in palio, which is basic, basically etching into copper and making multiples by running it through like a printing press. That's not as um, easy to do in an art therapy setting, just as far as resources and things like that. But I, So once I graduated from Central Michigan, I kind of shifted my area of you know, interest to watercolors. And so that's something I really try to implement within my art therapy process. And it really does depend, you know, the, you know, the group you're working with, the client you're working with, what their needs are. Some, some clients don't really like the fluidity of, of watercolor and they kind of like to be in a little bit more of control. Um, but I would say that that's kind of more my, my forte now. Let's, um, I, I do want to eventually get into um, the different types of populations that art therapy might benefit. But let's go back. I interrupted you on, on your journey. So we're at we're at May of 2018. You're graduating from Wayne State. Uh, where did you go from there? Did you, was there a, a, an internship that you, that you were involved with or, or anything along those lines? Yes. So um, the first kind of like real-world taste of art therapy that I got was actually through my practicum through Wayne State University. Um, so they have something called a Saturday Art Therapy Fall Workshop. And essentially, it's a 10-week workshop for children and adults um, in, a, in a practicum experience for the graduate art therapy students. But the program is, is basically um, for any, you know, student, or sorry, not student, but any, you know, adult or child within, you know, Metro Detroit area that wants to sign up for this group um, to come every Saturday for 10 weeks. It's $25 a participant for the 10 weeks in total. Um, and so it's split up into a children's group, um, an adult group, and an awesome autism group. And so you're kind of, you kind of rank them, you know, which one you'd like to get most experience in. Um, and I had put children first, and I got placed in the adult group, which I was still 
very excited about it because I had never even had an experience really with working one-on-one or in a group setting using art therapy. So I got placed in the adult group. And so I was with three other students in my cohort with art therapy. And we had to come up with a 10-week art therapy program, um, kind of just more generalized art therapy. You know, there are populations that you do specific directives or experientials with, but this is more like a generalized, you know, program, kind of like just self-care and things of that nature. And so that was my first experience actually utilizing art therapy, even, you know, even just in a group setting. And then from there, I was placed in intern and that was actually with Samaritan Counseling Center, which is my, my current employer. And I was hired, not hired, but I was you know, brought on as an intern to do um, art therapy groups within the Wald Lake Consolidated School System. And so I serviced three different schools there, and I would go there once a week, and it was also a 10-week group. And the purpose of this program essentially was to um, kind of use, use art as a way to build self-confidence in, in children and kind of have them become aware of themselves and build resiliency and even just kind of bravery amongst themselves and to empower themselves and empower each other. Um, and this particular group, it wasn't just random kids. It was, it was students who were, were struggling in school or struggling at home and kind of needed an outlet. Um, you know, they, a lot of them were getting in trouble in school um, it just needed some kind of guidance, and this was kind of like a safe place for them. It was one hour a week that they could come. It was called Art Adventures, the program. So one week that they could come to Art Adventures and just kind of release and be themselves and um, express themselves through art. Were, were they, were they uh, did they opt into that? Were they referred by uh, school staff or their parents into that program? So they were referred um, either by their students, the prin- or, I'm sorry, either by the principal or their teachers or their parents. So it wasn't necessarily a volunteer thing. Um, it was something that they were referred to. And and so to just talk me through it. How does that work? You you go in and, and there's so there's this group of students. First of all, how many would be in a typical group, and how long was the group, and how did it work? How much time was actually spent? doing art, how much time was spent talking, just kind of take me through what a typical session would be like. Absolutely. So um, unfortunately, I only got one hour a week with them, which to me, I wish <laughs> I wish I could have been there every day. And some of the children even expressed that they wish they could do this every day. So I would come in, I had an hour with them. Um, and let's say we're like in the middle of, of the 10 week session. So I would come in we would kind of, you know, talk for 10 minutes and just see, you know, what was going on, you know, in their week or in their day, what, you know, what was new for them, some, you know, something of concern. And then a lot of times, like, they had a lot of shared concerns, like a lot of them had anxiety or were feeling, you know, bullied at school. And so a lot of the directives that we were doing were based around that or at least, you know, trying to like, bring them up from that. And so... Actually, I can explain one of the experiences I did with them. So we made treasure boxes one week, and it, it was essentially to help the students identify their good qualities and to help them um, appreciate them and, and quote-unquote treasure them. And so, you know, these, a lot of these kids were, oh, like I said, always getting in trouble or, you know, someone was always reprimanding them. And the purpose of this group essentially was to... Um, to let them be themselves and not reprimand them, but kind of just redirect them in a positive way. 
because um, they're so used to hearing negative, negative, negative all the time. So along with the treasure boxes, um, what I would have them do is they would write down good, positive characteristics about themselves. And then they would choose, you know, four or five of these words, cut them out, paste them inside of um, like a three-dimensional kind of handheld wooden box, like treasure box that you get at like Michael's or something like that. Um, and then I would have them share these qualities with each other. And, you know, a lot of times they would have similar qualities and they would just kind of bond over that. And, you know, this is how, you know, I do this and you do this. And, you know, we're actually kind of very similar people. Um, and after they did that, you know, after they pasted the, the pictures of, sorry, <laughs> after they pasted the um, words into the box, they would go ahead and decorate the, the treasure box and make it their own and put jewels on it. Um, and while they were doing that, I would bring around a piece of treasure that they could put inside their box, and I would give them a positive affirmation, kind of giving them another, you know, positive characteristics characteristic that they have. So just hearing that from someone else, you know, is it's just so, super validating, and they would just light up. Um, so I guess that would be like an instance of, of what a typical session would be. Um, but quite possibly my favorite part of the program um, at the end of each session, I would give each each student um, a little pom-pom, like a different colored pom-pom. Um, it's like a handheld kind of fuzzy ball. And we, I called them warm fuzzies. And so these warm fuzzies, I would give to each, try, each, each student. And regardless, <laughs> regardless if they, you know, earned it or not, I would find something positive to say about them in that session, even if it was them having their worst day. Um, just something positive that they did or said or, you know, something about, you know, the work that they made. So each student would leave um, each of the sessions with a warm fuzzy and something they could take with them, kind of like a transitional object that would remind them um, about that positive thing that they did or said. When they would talk about their anxiety or or whatever issue they may have, did you... Uh, would you engage with them in that conversation? Were you sort of a conversational therapist as well as an art therapist? Were, were there uh, are there are there lines that you don't cross? I, I guess I'm curious, a little curious about the role of art therapist versus, uh, for lack of a better term, a conversational therapist. Sure. So um, certainly when these you know issues would come up or these concerns would come up. Um, there, there are like generally six to eight students in the group. Um, so while you know they're working and they're making you know whatever they're doing, I would try to you know sit down with each student and, and kind of touch on a little bit further um, what they were concerned about. And um, a lot of times it was you know things going on at home or you know in school and, and just for them to be able to kind of vent and get that out um, and even just kind of a little bit of psychoeducation. So you know, things that I could offer to them, you know, what if you tried this studying habit? So it's, it's not just like sitting down like with a therapist um, and saying, you know, this is what's going on and, and things like that. It's, it's kind of integrating the art into those conversations, but also having, having those, you know, psycho, psychoeducational conversations with the students. So these were uh, high school kids? No, these were um, these were grade school. So oh. this was uh, I, I saw third graders, fourth graders, and fifth oh. graders. Oh, third. Okay, third, fourth, fifth. What other? Uh, you mentioned that you have worked with other populations. What what other uh, types of populations have you uh, worked with? So 
done um, with my first like official group at Samaritan Counseling Center, not as an intern. So I, I came up with a program proposal for Samaritan Counseling Center, and this is actually the reason I got hired into this position. Um, but it's a, it's a, it was a 10-week program also for adults who were just seeking alternative methods of maintaining self-care. You know, so, you know, every day we're dealing with you know, stressors and anxiety of just, you know, work and home and, you know, personal things. And we don't take time for ourselves um, just to kind of unwind and, you know, decompress. And so I came up with this program all based around self-care and different components of self-care um, just to kind of encourage people to take take part in the journey of self-exploration and, and self-care. And so, um, as I said, I just finished up with that, but each week was a different component of self-care. And so each week we came in and we spoke. Um, we, I did have an hour and a half with them each week, which, which was nice. Um, and I had um, six participants. And so each week we would come in, we would talk, and then we would kind of um, segue into what the directive was for that week. Um, and in addition, they, you know, I gave them journals so that they could do ongoing um, journaling, whether that be like writing or uh, drawing, and just something that they could hold on to and, and also continue on after the program uh, finished up. So it was, it was a really, it was a great response, and um, I'm going to be running the same group in the fall, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Were these uh, folks self-referred? Were they referred? Okay. Were they part of um, Were they part of an overall uh, counseling program, or or was this sort of a standalone art therapy uh, approach? This is kind of a standalone art therapy. There were a couple participants that did um, like they did have individual counseling sessions and things of that nature, but not with me. Um, so this was kind of a standalone on the side offered through Samaritan Counseling Center for anyone in the community that was looking to engage in art therapy. On a more, on a more uh, general uh, topic, what are, what are other populations? I would imagine that art therapy would have great uses for a population that uh, may have PTSD, for example, or, or uh, depression. Um, you mentioned uh, autism. Uh, I'm also wondering if this is uh, if something that might be very useful with population as dementia or Alzheimer's. What is what does your experience tell you about those types of populations? Um, it's so much, honestly. This art therapy can be applied I mean, to anyone. Um, you, you mentioned PTSD, so using art can kind of help um, you know, people who are suffering from PTSD or any type of trauma kind of access their stored memory in a safe way. Um, and they're able to kind of release those memories in, in like, like I said, in a safe way. Um, and kind of maybe have like a reconnection with themselves and um, just kind of be able to self-regulate and become aware of what's going on or what's happening when um, something, when they're being triggered or, um, or things like that. Um, and and a, great, a great experiential for that would be doing a body nap. And so, and this can be done in, in, in any capacity, but let's say we have, I, I'm working with someone who has PTSD. Kind of very, very early on in the process, I would have them do something where, kind of like a, a body scan, and so it would be like a guided meditation where they would 
kind of go through each part of their body and where they're feeling this stress, where they're feeling this tension, and then they would translate that onto paper. And so I could either give them an outline of a body or they could do a full outline of their own body, um, and they would choose colors and um, associate those with, with different you know, emotions and feelings that they are experiencing, and then they would map that out within their body. So using, let's say, for instance, bloom represented sadness. Um, and, and colors can represent different things for different people, which is, is just great. Um, that they would essentially make a key you know, with these different colors. So again, blue sadness, and maybe they're feeling sad in their heart. So they would make some type of blue design near or at, right, at their, right at the place of their heart. Maybe that sadness flows, you know, through their, through their brain. And so they would do different kind of um, designs and things to, to represent that with each color, if that makes sense. Oh, that, that that's fascinating to me. What about uh, what what about some other populations? So you you mentioned I think early on um, uh, folks who are on the autism spectrum. What do you, what do you uh, how, how do you see art therapy being helpful there? Um, I, especially with autism, um, it definitely helps the ability to kind of manage sensory issues. That's that's definitely a concern within that population. Like just having sensory issues or even kind of helping with motor skills or even to help them just like with imagination skills. Um, and this is not something that I have done, but I, I did have someone in, a, in my cohort that worked specifically with um, an autism group. And what they did when I thought, I thought this was so fascinating was um, they combined half shaving cream and half Elmer's glue and with some type of like acrylic paint and you mix it up and it becomes a very like cloud-like substance and that's to kind of help with sensory issues and getting them comfortable with it and you know doing like a little bit of a test area first like if they don't like the feel of it maybe they can put gloves on so that they can still participate and and, you know feel you know welcomed into this group and things of that nature but um so they would take the half shaving cream and half owner's glue with a little bit of paint mix it up and then they would kind of make swirling images on the paper and then when you let it dry it actually dries kind of three-dimensional like it is a cloud and it's very soft to the touch and so it's something that they can take with them and it's um it's very like tact it's a tactile um procedure and that's something that works very well with the autism population <laughs> again that that's just fascinating i'm sh- I, i'm sure there's different approaches for all different types of populations, and I, I suppose we could, uh, we could talk about all all types of different ones. But the, the one uh, that I have a particular interest in would be uh, dementia or Alzheimer's patients. Uh, what What does your education tell you about that population? Um, definitely, it, it definitely it boosts like cognitive function um, and stimulates brain function. You you know they're losing you know, different parts of their memory and, and things like that, but they can use art to kind of re-access certain memories and, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're engaging in some type of painting and um, it was an abstract painting and they see an image and it kind of emerges for them and then it triggers something that reminds them of a, a story or a memory they had with their child or, you know, their spouse or something like that. So it really kind of, it helps you access a different part of your brain and it brings out um, maybe either suppressed or even just, you know, lost memories, if you will. Ah, oh, that's terrific. That is just terrific. Um, let me, I, I want to back up a little bit, though, and talk about 
um, art therapy as a career. Um, in, in some of the uh, maybe obstacles there. Uh, you, you mentioned that, that you work for uh, what I assume is a, is a private counseling agency. Um, so it's actually it's actually a nonprofit um, interface counseling center. Okay. Okay. How are how are your services paid for? And and it, it, um, is that a barrier to to folks receiving your services? I, do you mean my, my services in particular, like art therapy? Uh, yeah, sort of art therapy. Um, maybe maybe your agency in in uh, in general. But art therapy specifically is that is that something you know that 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 uh, is covered by a third party insurance, for example, or is that something that is generally private pay, and is that an obstacle to people receiving your services? Um, I think with with our um, services in general, it, 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 we do accept insurance, not all insurance. Um, I don't deal with that specifically with my particular groups that I'm running. Um, and this is kind of, this is actually kind of a segue into one of the obstacles. Um, so Michigan itself is not actually um, a protected licensed state. So every single state, like there's certain states that are, but Michigan itself is not. And so there's not like I can't I couldn't just like practice um, art therapy with like under a like under an art therapy license because that does not exist. And so it, it essentially has to be tied to another um, type of mental health insurance, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's interesting. So um, you said Michigan is not a you called it a protected license state. Correct. What does what does Correct. that mean? So some states offer like an art therapy license or allow art therapists to become licensed under um, a related mental health profession. Um, and Michigan, unfortunately offers neither at this time, um, but there are efforts being made to kind of um, bring this full circle, and there's actually, um, funny enough, very recently um, there was a bill that was being introduced to the Michigan House of Representatives, um, actually I think just at the beginning of June, to kind of get this, you know, going and um, hopefully hopefully it passes, <laughs> so um, that we're on our way to that, which, so we're getting baby steps. To that, to that spot, but um, at this time it just means um, protective license, meaning like we, we're not able to practice like under an art therapy license. It has to be attached to um, another another profession, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. American Counsel- a American Counseling Center offers counseling services. So like, for instance, my supervisor, she is a licensed counselor, but she's also a licensed art therapist. So she integrates art therapy into her practice, but she is not um, just practicing under an art therapy license. Understood, but but there are other states uh, wherein you could you could practice under an art therapy license. Exactly. So I think that there's only seven states with an actual art therapy license. So I, I know Kentucky is one of them. Oregon is one of them. New Mexico. Um, I can't think of the other ones offhand. Um, and then there's states where art therapy. Um, is recognized, you know, for hiring and for title protection, and there's only a few of those. But so Michigan is one that is waiting to to obtain this this licensure. So it's not that we can't practice art therapy, but it just can't be, you know, singular, just art therapy alone. 
This may be a bit of an unfair question, but what do you think is misunderstood about what you do? When you're out in the in the world living your life and you tell people what you do, what do you, what do you think they misunderstand? <laughs> um, a lot of times when I mention art therapy, I would say majority of people are like, what is that? Like, I've never heard of that. Or, or they'll say, oh, is that like Rorschach drawings? Or is that, are you holding up drawings and asking clients what they see? Um, so that's, that's definitely probably one of the main ones that I hear. Um, and then, you know, on that, on that token, I, I then explain to them, no, it's actually clients engaging in art and kind of having a conversation with themselves. And really the art therapist's job is to um, just kind of guide them along the way, like finding themselves and working through, you know, whatever they're dealing with. Um, and I guess another big misconception is that, excuse me, you know, you see all these um, like coloring books, adult coloring books in, in Walmart, or there's art therapy apps, you know, through, for Android and Apple, and um, th- those aren't necessarily like accredited art therapy things. Like certainly coloring and, and, and doing um, you know, art therapy stuff on art therapy apps can be therapeutic, but it's not necessarily art therapy. Like people who study and go to school for art therapy, like there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of studying, a lot of research. Um, and it's not to say that those things like the coloring books and the apps are bad, but it's it's almost like a uh, slap in the face to, to those who have studied and have, have, have worked hard for their, their master's degree or their doctorate in art therapy. So, you know, on occasion there'll, there'll be services, even just like occupational therapists and um, who, who advertise art therapy services and it's a little bit inaccurate for them to use a term just because it, it has to be practiced by an individual who either possesses you know, the, the training, the certification, or the state licensure to practice art therapy. What do you wish people knew about what you do? Um, I guess just like my firsthand experience um, and the impact it makes, like especially with the kids I was working with, like being able to see them progress through the 10 weeks and and really come into their own and um, just get excited about not only just making art, but about talking about how they're feeling. Because I think a lot of times that's such a taboo thing, just in general, um, talking about how you're feeling and, and being able to do that and have them open up with each other and almost create a little like group in and of themselves. Like, like I had one group, there, there was actually 10 kids in this one. It was a little bit full and it was just myself. But I remember distinctly one of the one of the students. Our very last session was like, "Hey, like we should we should continue to do art therapy together. Like let's do art adventures as a group, even though this program's over with." And this was coming from you know a, a sixth grader boy, and I was just like, "Wow, like this is so cool to see the impact that it you know it, it bonded them and it, it created um, again resiliency within themselves and just to be able to." to put everything out there in a, in a different way rather than just talking about it, especially with like, you know, sixth grade boys, like they, you know, they probably would never want to open up about, you know, what's going on. And so just to, for people to know that impact, even if it is, you know, small at this point, you know, I, I would love to see art therapy being utilized in every school because it, it truly is just a great outlet for students and 
Um, and I think what's nice too is, you know, the school psychologist or the school social worker could probably work, you know, hand in hand with that art therapist and they could, um, you know, really help these kids get through, get through life and get through, get through school. And it's just a, it's a hard, I think it's a hard, it's a hard thing, life, obviously for, for, for anyone, but for kids, I feel, um, they need that guidance and they need those, those resources. Do you know, do you have any idea, you may not, but do you have any idea how many schools have art therapy programs? What percentage? I honestly don't. I know, I know in the metro Detroit area, you know, there's some, a lot of inner city schools have art therapy programs, um, but to my, to my knowledge, the only other one that I know of is, is the Walt Lake School System, and I know that um, when, I, when I left the internship, um, they were expanding to other schools within the district alone because there was only, like I said, three, maybe four schools that were being offered these services. Um, but what's, what was great about this, and I, and I think this might be, you know, one of the roadblocks is there was actually a nonprofit organization that it was able to fund this program. And so it was, that was called LEA, which was Lakes Area Youth Assistance. And so I don't think every district has that you know, type of funding or type of programs that they're able to offer. Um, so I think that that's a huge, a huge component of why a lot of, almost, you know, a lot, most schools don't have this program. Yeah, unfortunately, um, that's the reality. You, and when you mentioned school psychologists and school counselors, that was my thought. I think that would be great, but either there's such a budgetary constraints that, yes. that it's just not as possible as you probably would like it to be. I, you know, I, I was going to ask you, Natalie, what you would tell, um, you know, a, a high school junior or a high school senior who was heading off to college and was considering studying art therapy, whether or not you would tell them to do it. But I, I, I can just tell from the enthusiasm in your voice, I think you would, you would absolutely be behind them and pushing them toward a career in art therapy. I, you know, I can tell that you see it as a worthwhile uh, adventure. Absolutely. You know, when I, when I was at Central Michigan University, I was involved in a group called College 101. And what, we, what the program's, you know, kind of purpose was to bring students who were at risk of, you know, dropping out of school or, you know, getting involved in, in gang violence and, and things like that. We brought these kids to Central Michigan, not to promote Central um, as a school, but to promote college as a whole and just how you can get there and you know there are obstacles but we made it you know we, we showed them how it is possible and you know most of these kids were very artistic either with their voice or their lyrics or they would have like a journal with them that they were doing these drawings and they had no idea that they could make this a career um and so even now like you know I was doing fine arts at the time when I was participating with this College 101, but now looking back, I wish I could even just like go back and tell these kids like, you know, I did pursue art, but I even took it a step further um, and I, I pursued two of my passions, which is helping people and art together. And so it doesn't even just stop at college. Like there's so much to learn and there's so much to grow from, not only from just education, but just from the people and your, you know, the peers that you have around you. So absolutely, I would I would definitely recommend a program similar to this. One of the related things that I, that I'm interested in and hope to do a podcast on 
in the near future is music as therapy. Um, oh, were there were there sort of programs at, at either Central Michigan or Wayne State that that had music as therapy as a um, as a focus? You know, I'm not I'm not honestly sure about that. I I don't know that it's like an actual program like 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 art therapy, but I would assume that somewhere in the country that there is a music therapy program because I mean that's that's something that's certainly offered in like hospital settings and. Um, and, and mental health, you know, outpatient settings and, and things like that. So I don't know that it's offered at Wayne State, but I, I would I would assume that somewhere locally it, it would be. Let me um, let me wrap this up with with a two part question. Okay. Uh, uh, what is the your hope for for your future in the field of art therapy? Your uh, specific uh, goals and plans, and then art therapy as a profession. What do you hope to see happen uh, in the world of art therapy going forward? Okay. Um, for the first question, I guess for myself, I would love to pursue art therapy full-time. So at this time, like I had mentioned, I'm just working part-time and running you know, groups here and there, but I would love you know, to work for like an art therapy facility if, if there were one. <laughs> Maybe that will be my... Maybe that will be my my goal, you know, to, to get a you know a band of art therapists together and and even counselors who have you know art therapy as a background too together, to where we could you know have like this this center this hub of just you know even just creative services not necessarily just art therapy it could offer music services or um, theatrical therapy there, there and there is such thing as that too which I thought is very very interesting. Um, so again, I would like to su- pursue um, art therapy full time, and you know, maybe become more involved in the community, even and bringing people together to to educate them on what art therapy is and, and the benefits of art therapy, um, and just how it can improve you know people's quality of life and improve their mental, emotional, physical states. Um, so yeah, I know. I mean, that might be something of the future, but that's that's my goal with art therapy. Um, and then as far as art therapy as a whole, um, certainly I would love to see all 50 states <laughs> with, with that protected license and um, um, just, I guess, more prevalent in the community. Like I said, it, it is offered in hospitals and schools and, um, you know, community clinics, but just more of it, just something... So when I when it is talked about that people aren't like oh what's that like I've never heard of that like it has been around for a long time but it's just something that has been so niche that people don't really know what it is so I would I would love it for it to be just huge and everyone knows what art therapy is Natalie I, I this was great I, I I very much enjoyed talking to you I'm sure that the folks who listen to this are are going to learn an awful lot. And your 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 passion really comes through, and it's hard not to find that contagious. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for taking the time to talk to us, and and best of luck to you. Thank you. Once again, my guest has been Natalie Polakowski. What a great conversation that was! I I just really enjoyed her passion and enthusiasm for what she does. I hope to. Uh, include her on future podcasts. Thank you for listening. Uh, Feel free to send any comments you have to 
me, uh, my email address, jim at adeincorp.com. I'm happy to hear from you. And as always, if you have suggestions for any future podcasts, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ADE Spotlight Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on one of our podcasts or if you have an idea for a topic you'd like us to cover, please feel free to drop us a line. We'd love to hear your suggestions. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to check out ADE Solutions, a new website from ADE. There you will find a variety of quizzes and assessments covering a whole range of behavioral health related topics, including substance use, gambling, mental health disorders, eating disorders, and the like. If you have concerns about yourself or a loved one in these areas, uh, please uh, access the website and check out the assessments. Or if you simply want to expand your knowledge on these topics, on the education tab on that website, we have a variety of quizzes uh, as well as other podcasts similar to the one that you just listened to. You can find that at www.ade.solutions or you can link to it from our corporate website www.adeincorp.com